This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care veterinary specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I'm really excited to bring back my veterinary colleague, Dr. Mary Gardner, who's a co-founder of Laugh of Love. We'll be right back after these messages. As a veterinarian, I want you to keep your dog as healthy and happy as possible. After all, our dogs reward us with fun, laughs, love, and a ton of affection. Well, what better way to reward your dog's loving companionship with Rockwell's Pets Pro Natural Dog Vitamins? These vitamins help provide a powerful fusion of amino acids, trace minerals, vitamins, digestive enzymes, aloe vera, and glucosamine, which helps support a healthy canine metabolism and promotes a strong immune system. Plus, they're 100% satisfaction guaranteed and produced in the United States. Help give your dog a healthy skin coat, healthy hips and joints, and immune support. For more information, go to rockwellpetspro.com. That's rockwellpetspro.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. So excited to be speaking to a fellow veterinary colleague, Dr. Mary Gardner. Dr. Mary Gardner and I bond over the gray muzzle. We love our geriatric dogs and cats. And she's a co-founder of Lap of Love, a veterinary hospice and in-home euthanasia. Dr. Gardner, thank you so much for joining us again today. Oh, thanks for having me again. It's always so fun to just hang out with you, even virtually. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about a very atypical topic today. Yep, it's pet cremation. But, but before we begin, just so our dog and cat audience knows who you are, do you mind giving us a little bit of background about who you are, where you trained, and what you do now? Sure. Yeah. So I went to the University of Florida for my veterinary degree and was in general practice for just a few years. And then for about 11 years now, have exclusively been doing end-of-life care in the homes. And so my classmate, uh, Danny McVitie and I, we have a company called Lap of Love Veterinary Hospice, as you mentioned. And so now we have over 200 veterinarians across the country offering end-of-life care uh, to families in their home or in their backyards, if you will. And it's been a really wonderful niche that I found myself in. As you said, you know, I love the gray muzzles. We bond over them and nothing better than, than the oldies, but uh, that are still young at heart sometimes. And about three years ago, I decided I want to also start a crematory, a pet crematory business. And so my brother and I own a cremation service in South Florida. And it is an atypical topic, but when you're dealing with end of life as much as we do, the, the number one question we'll always ask, we'll get asked is how will I know these are my own pet's ashes and what happens and everybody, it's kind of a mystery. So it's been really um, a wonderful second thing that I've done <laughs> this cremation. 
Well, you know, I know it sounds like such an unusual topic, but I'm really going to encourage you dog and cat owners out there to stay tuned because this is a really important topic that veterinarians don't usually talk about. And you can find some information on the internet, but I'd rather you hear it from the expert. Now, Dr. Gardner previously talked about what is veterinary hospice. And we also talked about what you need to know when your dog or cat becomes geriatric. So please make sure to check out those previous episodes on ER Vet on Pet Life Radio, because as our beloved family members age, we want to make sure that we're keeping them healthy, that we are aware of all our options out there, that we know that veterinary hospice is available. Now, I will say it's such a hard decision to make that decision to euthanize. Before we even talk about cremation, do you mind just touching on some of the parameters that you look at for a pet owner or for your own pet when it comes to making that decision to consider euthanasia? Are there certain quality of life factors that you look at? Yeah, that's a a good question. And I myself just made that decision about six weeks ago to say goodbye to my girl, Sam, who we've talked about in other episodes. I know, I'm so sorry. And it's heart-wrenching, even as a veterinarian and and one that exclusively does end-of-life care, it's just as hard to make that decision because I'm first a pet mom. And, you know, for for Sam, my girl, I really had to consider what her joys of life were and what what made Sam, Sam, and what made her so happy and how those were starting to dwindle every single day, get get worse and worse. And that is very different for every pet. That's why it it isn't just a, um, you know, one, a one answer kind of thing, you have to really look at the ailment that the pet is suffering from. And her biggest problem was her mobility. And it was really tough. And that we see a lot with these older uh, dogs, especially larger, larger breed dogs. So her mobility was really declining. She was still eating. She was still happy when I laid next to her, but that was a struggle. If she couldn't get up by herself and go to her water bowl and her food bowl, or just, you know, head to the door all by herself, then I knew I had to make that decision sooner than later. And her mind was still, was still good. So it really depends on the ailments that they're managing, how the family's managing those ailments, because not everybody could, could deal with the things that I had to with her. And if there's active pain and suffering present, and if we can't if we can't stop that, there are so many things that we can do, but there comes a point where, where we can't. And, and, you know, eating and drinking is, is a common thing that people think about. And like I said, with Sam, she was still eating. And, uh, you know, something to consider is that, that when they stop eating or drinking, it's, it, that's not what causes death. That's a symptom of dying is when they stop eating or drinking. And so when that does happen, that's, that is very much a showstopper for me. And, and then also I've helped families when their pet is actually not so bad, but we know it's going to be bad and we know that the cancer is going to get worse, or we know that something, you know, severe is going to happen. And they, you know, I have the saying, it's better a week too soon than a day too late, but sometimes we do it a month too soon because they would much rather say goodbye when their pet is still very much happy in themselves and not even thinking about suffering ever occurring. And that is what our oath is, right, Dr. Lee, is to to not only stop suffering, but prevent it from ever occurring. Exactly. You know, I really do encourage our dog and cat pet loving owners to check out those previous two episodes because we talked about so many pain medication options that you can talk to your veterinarian about. And, you know, we previously talked about how when dogs and cats come in to the ER for euthanasia, a lot of them oftentimes haven't seen a veterinarian in over a year. And that breaks my heart because we could have put them on a pain medication to keep them comfortable. Now, you know, we've talked about euthanasia before, and I love what you guys have created with the ability to have 
euthanasia in the house, in the home. And again, I did that with my own dog, my own cat. And if you have that option, I really think it's a beautiful way of being able to celebrate your pet's life, whether or not that's in a sunny spot in the yard outside or on their bed. But one thing a lot of pet owners never have on the radar, and they typically shouldn't, but it's it's a hard topic. It's what to do with my pet's remains. And this becomes a topic that we end up having to talk about, sadly, every single day in the veterinary ER. And that's because, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of end-stage disease in the veterinary ER. And I hope you realize as a pet owner, that's one of the reasons why my producer, Mark Winter, and I are so passionate about educating pet owners on ER vet, because we want to try to avoid a veterinary visit. We want to teach people what they can do to pick up on signs earlier, how to avoid that veterinary visit to begin with in the emergency room. But please know we're always here 24-7. But we will also say, sadly, I end up doing a lot of euthanasia in the ER. Now, do you mind just talking through some of the options? Let's like, first of all, what options does a pet owner have? Can they take the body home? Do they medically dispose of the body? Do they have to take the body home? You know, give me a couple options out there. Yeah. So interesting. My first, my first heart dog that I ever said goodbye to, uh, her name was Snow White. And it was before I was a veterinarian, I was in software and, and she died um, in the hospital. And I, of course, just like you're saying, I didn't think about this. And I'm originally from New York. We had a big yard, we buried our pets. And so I thought that was what I needed to do. So I, I took her home and they, they allowed me to take her home. And for those that do want to bury their pet at home, it is something to definitely pre-plan because not all cities and locations allow burial of, of pets, especially if they've been euthanized and because maybe some the water system or things like that, because we are using some medications that people are fearful of getting into the water systems. But also in South Florida, where I live now, it is all coral rock and it is very different than the New York dirt that I was used to. So it took four hours to to actually create a burial site for her. But I wasn't prepared for that. And, and so it is something that is absolutely an option. And like I said, just check and, and also make sure you're not going to dig a hole where there might be power lines or cable lines or things like that. And people forget about those minor details, especially when you're kind of in a rushed situation, you weren't preparing for it. And also how deep to go. It's, it's I remember helping this one, one frail uh, older lady and she had a kitty cat and she's like, Oh, I, I, you know, dug the hole outside. And I went to look and I was like, Oh no, I have to, I have to help her out. Cause it was definitely not deep enough. So yeah. So burial is something that most of us are used to. And, you know, when we were younger, at least in my generation, that that's what we did. And then pet cremation has now become a lot of a more popular option in the last maybe two decades and has taken off. It's been around for quite some time, but, but really human cremation obviously has been around a lot longer. So the pet crematory world has, has really blown up in the last two decades. And there's a lot of different options there as well. As you know, in the, in the human world, if you've ever had to, you know, friend or family member that, that is cremated, there's really one option and that is to get the ashes back. That human will be cremated by themselves and you, and you get the ashes back for placement in an urn, maybe scattering somewhere or something like that. But it's very different in the pet world where we have two different options. And that is between a communal or a group cremation or an individual or private cremation. And that's the biggest difference. And a lot of people don't know what that is. And when they get to the emergency room or their, or their veterinary clinic, and they're like, what? <laughs> And there's a huge cost difference and also a huge just emotional difference, I think. And the big thing is to not think that one way means you love your pet more than another. 
And that I think is really important because there are some people who don't want their pet's ashes back. They don't need that physical reminder or, or what, you know, or some memorial, memorial items, if you will. Doesn't mean they, they didn't love their pet at all. And I think you could ask probably half the veterinarians and they would say they, they don't need the ashes returned. So that option is what we call our group of communal. And the pet is cremated with other pets at the same time. And all of those ashes together will be spread however that crematory spreads them. And we can get into that too. Uh, and then the um, other option is if you do want your pet's ashes returned to you privately, and we call that the private or, or individual, there's different words. And that means that your pet will be um, in a space by themselves and that those pets' ashes, they're tracked really well. And those pets, your pets' ashes will be returned to you in some type of, of urn. Thank you for saying that. You know, I think the important thing to keep in mind is a lot of pet owners are so overwhelmed um, when they're making that decision to euthanize, which obviously makes sense. It's a very emotional, trying time. And, you know, I will say when it, I had to euthanize JP, my dog with the brain tumor, even though I've done the quote spiel or the talk of quality of life for decades, you know, thousands of times, I will say it is so hard with your own pet, even as a veterinarian. So please know as a pet owner, uh, we really are so empathetic of what you're going through. It's such a hard decision and it's, it's hard to talk about. And I will say you don't have to pay the couple extra hundred dollars if you truly don't want the ashes. And that's okay. Nobody's going to judge you for that. Please know you don't have to, you know, if you feel that you don't need the ashes, that's okay. Again, Dr. Gardner reiterated the same thing. Some vets wouldn't get their ashes back. Mary and I did, you know, and I'll talk a little bit later about, you know, how we can celebrate our pets. I personally, when I euthanized my dog, I did it at home in my backyard. I did want a private cremation. I wanted a paw print or four. I wanted a little <laughs> bit of fur clipped in a Ziploc bag, which you can totally ask for. Just so I had that, even though I had, you know, his fur everywhere and all the sofa, you know, all the furniture and all the clothes. But for me, I just wanted to scatter some of the ashes. And so I scattered half the ashes in upstate New York and Ithaca, New York over our favorite hiking area, which was this humongous waterfall. And for me, it was just a beautiful experience. I scattered them and there was just like this angelic lift of wind and it just lifted the ashes up in the air. Um, and they were floating in the air for several minutes uh, before they fell into the water. Now, in full disclosure, I kept some of JP's ashes because I wanted to have a small portion if I ever moved. So like, I didn't want to put it in, you know, the one house that I was renting. And then in my current house, I don't know if I'm going to move and I wanted to, you know, take the ashes with me. What are some other options that you know of where people celebrate their pet's life with their ashes? What do they do? Do they keep them in an urn? Do they ask for them in a cardboard box? Do you mind just talking us through the options? Um, so a lot of people will just get a basic, let's say a basic urn from their, from their crematory, which I kind of like, cause then you could pick your own urn option if you want to keep an urn. And there are so many out there on Etsy. It is amazing to see the different ways that you can, you know, keep the ashes from ceramic to wood to natural. Then you could bury the ashes. A lot of people do that too. So they'll get their ashes back in some kind of type of enclosure that you can put in the ground, if you will. And, and it will, and it, that will dissolve. And so that way your, your pet's ash could be a part of a tree or a garden or something like that. So at my crematory Monarch, we actually have this really special engraving process where we take an ink print of the paw as well as, as clay, uh, of course, 
And we then engraved the, on top of the urn, the pet's paw print on, on that specific urn. Because a lot of times we'll have a couple of urns in our house. So I've got about seven urns and they all look the same. So it really helps to individualize them. But I know people that have lockets so they could put a little bit of the ashes in, in, a, in a bit of a locket. There's wonderful artists that can include them onto paintings. So they'll mix it into the ink. So if you have a portrait made of your pet, I know people who have put their ashes in a tattoo, which I always wonder how the body doesn't react to that, but it doesn't, I guess. And then one thing that I'm considering doing is taking all seven of the ashes, a little bit, a little scoop of each, and then you can have a diamond made from them. Or sometimes just like you said, scattering half or most and just keeping a little bit left behind. And you can have even tinier, smaller urns where your closet isn't full of them. And, and I think if, for those of you that are not sure which way you want to go with this, your veterinary clinic and or the crematory can also hold on to your pet while you think about that. And I think that's important to know. You don't have to make a rush decision. But if you don't know, then I always say it's best to do the private so that way you do have those ashes. We had one family here in, in South Florida that asked our the crematory that they would like a private cremation because they wanted their pet to be alone, but they didn't want the ashes back. And so we spread them out to see with the rest of the, of the pets that we do a communal with. So it really is a very personal decision. And I find it amazing and, and just awesome the ways that people have honored that memory. And I still have yet... Like I said, maybe the diamond, I'm going to save up for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing how creative some people are. I've seen it, the ashes made into jewelry. Um, I've seen people keep it in a type of creation where they've made this pottery from it for like a nice rock statue that they keep outside. So I really say, you know, whatever, whatever you feel comfortable with, you can always keep the ashes for years and then make that decision later. So just be aware, there is no judgment at all. If you do anything with the ashes or you don't do anything with the ashes or you decide not to get the ashes. So please be aware of that. Now, I know you had talked about before when it comes to getting a private cremation, how do we really know that it's our pet's ashes? Yeah, that is the number one question I will get asked. So first, it's it's really important for me as a veterinarian to visit the crematory that I will be using. And I I always, when I'm, when I'm speaking to clinics about how to improve their end of life process, I, I really encourage that because if I'm going to look in, into somebody's eyes and say, I know this is your pet, I need to make sure I trust that crematory as well. So I actually go to all the crematories that we use at Lapa Lover or our veterinarians do. And I want to look at their process. I want to see how everything is done and how everything is, is tracked. And at Monarch, at my crematory, every pet gets an identification number. I know it may sound a little bit cold, but every, I, want a, I want an identification number because there's a lot of, of rusties out there. So I want to make sure that we have the correct pet. And that number and the ID tag travels with them through their entire process, even when they're in the memorial item making a station. So their paw prints and the little fur clippings, as you mentioned, that number is tracking is going with them along the way. And every pet, we, we handle one pet at a time. And that way we don't have the possible mix up. And then when they're placed into the machine, again, they're identified and, and tracked along the way. There are different machines out there. I've learned so much, Dr. Lee, on this, in, this, in this world about cremation. So there's so many different machines and ways that they could be cremated. And so then even after the pet is cremated, just then their, their bone remains have to go to another step. And they actually... Um, have to be reduced down to that small bits of, of ash that we're used to. And that, again, is, is really important to have it tracked. So we have a whole software system. 
it's almost like a little scan gun going through the, to make sure that everything is done appropriately, that we also don't cremate a pet before we make a paw print. Cause that is, you know, there's a point of no return and that's what we definitely don't want to get to. And then even when we're delivering making sure again, that that is the proper pet. And it's a, it's a science. It needs to be a, a huge process. And it's not just, is it my pet? I also worry about, or I also think about how that pet is handled. Is that pet treated as if they were, you know, if I was there watching them and that was my pet. And, you know, it is a, it can be a little bit uh, jolting to some people to see a crematory, a human or pet crematory. Right. And so it is really important to me that everybody who works with all the pets that, that we may, that we handle, that it, that they're handled well, as if the family was, was right there watching. And you can ask your crematory or the crematory that your clinic uses for a tour and just go see it. And just, how do you feel? How is everybody there? Are they, you know, respectful? Is the place clean? Is the place organized? All these things go into, into play. And, you know, it starts also at the veterinary clinic to make sure that the pet is properly identified and handled well. And it, it usually does. So that is the, the number one question I will get asked. And, and, and if for some reason something ever went wrong, it's, you know, we, we would never lie. I've never been in this situation, but we would never lie. We would never take somebody else's pet's ashes to give to somebody else. And then, you know, another interesting thing is a lot of people don't realize that what does come back is just bone ash. So if you've got, let's say a, a chunky Labrador, let's say a 90 pound lab, <laughs> and you had another 90 pound, uh, let's say, uh, you know, Rottweiler, they're not going to come back in the same volume of bone ash. It is, um, you know, the bone density changes between each, each pet, just like us humans, right? And then you can have a, a chunky pet versus a, a fit muscular pet that doesn't have a lot of fat and that, that changes their, you know, the body composition. And so I've had a few people that challenge us because they're like, ah, oh, no, my other 60 pound dog had more. And how do I know this is, this is mine? And that's just something that we have to educate them on. So we all have different bone densities. Again, not a typical topic we talk about, but really important that we as pet owners know what our options are. We'll be right back with Dr. Gardner right after these messages. As a veterinarian, I want you to keep your dog as healthy and happy as possible. That's why I'm a huge advocate of Brockwell's Pets Pro Probiotics. Probiotics are used to help stabilize and strengthen the intestinal flora. They have a lot of positive effects on the entire body system. Simply sprinkle the desired amount on your dog's food and it can help boost the immune system, treat diarrhea and constipation, restore gut health, and lower cholesterol levels. Plus, it's vet recommended, made in the U.S., and comes with a money-back guarantee. For more information, go to rockwellpetspro.com. That's rockwellpetspro.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm 
was speaking with Dr. Mary Gardner. And again, we're talking about an atypical, slightly hard to talk about topic called cremation. And again, the reason why we're talking about it is because I want you to be prepared, even if it's 10, 15 years away, because I want you to be the best pet advocate for you and your pet. And I want you to know what your options are. Now, we've been talking about cremation. We've been talking about the options when it comes to, you know, if you want a private cremation, how we know that it's our ashes of our pet. I will say I've also worked with some crematories where they will let the pet owner bring their pet directly there. And that way they can transport their pet themselves. They can put their pet directly into the crematorium. And it just gives some pet owners some closure. I will say the majority of pet owners don't want that, but when in doubt, you can always ask and check. Now, I did want to ask you a couple more questions. Okay. Now, this is hard to hear, but I know that some crematories offer different options of specifically fire versus liquid or water. And do you mind just talking about that a little bit? Does it make a difference to the pet owner? Uh, does it make a difference? Like, do we even need to know as veterinary professionals or pet owners? Oh, okay. So, that's a, you know, do we need to know? This is something that a lot of people don't realize and, and they don't they almost don't want to know. They don't want to know the, the, the details of the process, human or pet, but there are different options out there. And, and so that fire cremation, which is what we are all typical of knowing, it's really heat. So many people think that we're putting a pet in fire and that's not, that is actually not the case. We are putting them in what we call a retort. So it's a, um, you know, a big square and there is a heat source that is that is fire, but it's the heat that goes up to about 1700 degrees and the body is simply reduced down to bone. And the other option is this water cremation or aquamation or alkaline hydrolysis. And this is actually what I do at, at my crematory at Monarch. So this is where the pets are placed again in, in little con containers, if you will. And there's a, um, water, a water system that happens where the machine is filled up with water and the pH of that water is raised to a very alkaline level. So it's a high level. That's why we call it alkaline hydrolysis. And what that does is it, it also reduces the body down to bones. So just like the, the heat does, we are left with bones, but it mimics the burial process. So the, the pH of the soil is what happens and, and microbes as well. But that's what that's what reduces the body down in, in the in a burial situation, which takes months to years to happen. And and aquamation just uh, about 24 hours. And so, you know, really there's, there is no difference in the terms of what you get back. There is some theories that you'll get more back with aquamation. I just, I can never, you know, define that because you may not have exactly the same pet with the same bone density, but uh, what is, what does remain is, is still the same. And I personally like aquamation. It's, it's uh, a bit more environmentally friendly. We're not using as much gas and natural resources the liquid that is left afterwards goes right down into the, into the septic system. There's no chemicals or anything like that that are, needs to be concerned with. And I've had, I've had some families that absolutely want aquamation. And, and then I've had others that absolutely want fire cremation. And, and it's totally up to, up to the, um, the choice of the owner. However, aquamation is still relatively new-ish. It's uh, been around for decades in human and in, in, uh, in other systems, but not in the, in the small animal pet world. So there may not be as many options available around the country. Other things that a pet owner might need to know or potentially ask when it comes to getting their pet's ashes. Like, am I going to get them the next day? What should I be oh, prepared yes. for? Should I open the box? What am I going to find? You know, I don't mean to be so graphic, but like, I really want pet owners to be prepared for this. 
I'm so glad you asked this because nobody does want to ask these things, but people wonder, and then they're nervous to open the box. So with fire cremation, the actual process, once the pet is put into the, into the machine, it takes uh, maybe four to six hours in aquamation. Like I mentioned, it's about 24 hours. And so then those bones need to go to the next station. And that is either cooling off if they were in the heat or drying if they were in the water. And that takes a few hours to a day to happen. And then they go to the next station. So there is a process. There are some crematories that are open 24 hours and some fire crematories that can turn the ashes around, as they will say. They will process things very quickly. That is rare. It is usually about 10 to 12 days that you will get your pet's ashes back. That is the norm. Um, there are some that are faster and there are some that are just a little bit slower because maybe of the memorial items. So our, our engraving process takes a day and people don't realize that even just creating the, the, you know, the, the palm pressions and making sure those are, are well. And, and, you know, we don't want to move to the next step until that's done perfectly. So at, at my crematory, it is two weeks for the pets ashes to be returned back to either the family or to their clinic. And then, like I said, there are some that are 24 hours. I remember when my first Doberman passed, Neo, I didn't have my crematory and I, and he had died on his own. I, I came home and he was gone. And it's one of my biggest regrets in life is not being strong enough to do it sooner than later, but it taught me a big lesson. And um, so I came home and he was, and he had died in, in the hallway and I called my crematory to come, to come help and just take him. And so they, they came to take him. And that's another big thing is, is also knowing on the weekends, like if your pet does die at home. Do you know the crematory nearby that you would like to use? Can they come? What are their hours? Can you keep a pet for a few hours? No, I could answer that. But so the crematory came, they took Neo and about six hours later, they called me and said that he was ready to come home. And that really startled me. I, I actually did not like that. It was, and I knew they, they kind of moved a little faster just because it was me, but I kind of needed to know in my brain that, that Neo was still Neo in his presence in his, you know, bodily form somewhere. And I could have waited a few days. <laughs> I didn't need it that fast. So it actually startled me. So speaking of the bodies, it, it, it is very okay to let a body rest at their home for hours to even a day. I, my, a good friend of mine recently called me over the weekend and her veterinarian was going to come do the euthanasia at her home on Saturday after late afternoon. And then she's like, I just, I just, you know, I, I don't want him to go to the clinic and be left alone in a cooling system. And, but, you know, can I bring him to your crematory? And I say, you know, you can keep him overnight, wrap him in a blanket, keep him on his bed. Nothing's going to happen. And that was a shock to her. And I say, you know how many animals pass in the middle of the night and we wake up to find them? Like nothing happens to them and it's okay. And, and that is a big, you know, it's almost a taboo to some of us to ever think that's a possibility. But in, you know, Buddhists, they like us to actually keep the body out for, for a day or two for their religious beliefs. Now you did talk about, can I open the box? And I think that is a wonderful question. Almost all crematories will put the ashes first in a bag and that bag will either be air sealed or we tie them with a nice little ribbon. I like tying personally with the ribbon because that way I can open them easily, get some ashes out and then retie it. If they're air, air packaged and air sealed, then you've got an issue because once you open them, you have to figure out what to do with them and find a Ziploc, if you will. But you can always usually open the urn. So the urn will have a lid, let's say, or a little screws that you have to un undo to, to open the lid. And they're usually safely packaged in uh, a plastic bag or container, or maybe a little cloth bag. I, I did open mine because I just wanted to see it. 
And so I think that's okay. So when in doubt, whatever you feel comfortable with. The last question I wanted to ask you about is, can a pet owner pick what crematory they want? And you touched on this a little bit when it came to fire versus water, but should they do the research or should they just let their vet do it? So it is absolutely okay to let the veterinary clinic use the crematory that they're most often used. They all, almost all crematories will have, or sorry, clinics will have, let's say, a relationship with one crematory. And that is completely normal here in the United States. And that's fine because the crematory will come to the clinic, you know, twice a week to pick up, to pick up pets. So that's, that's a, uh, a normal process. However, with that being said, it's also completely fine if you want to do research on your own or if you have a crematory that, that is closer to you that you feel more comfortable with or whatever the reason may be, it does usually need to be researched in advance. And so um, if you do that, then you can make arrangements either to have the crematory come pick up after the pet is euthanized at, at the clinic most clinics will gladly hold on to a pet while that crematory comes and makes, um, comes to pick up. Or you might want to take your pet yourself, like you mentioned earlier, to the crematory yourself. Completely okay to do. Just have that thought in advance. You know, in, in humans, when a person is in a hospital and passes, they will ask the family, what is the, who's your funeral home that you want to use? So the hospital usually asks the family. That's just not something typical here in the United States at vet clinics. But I lectured actually in, in Europe two years ago, and it's quite the opposite. In Europe, it is just like in humans where the clinic will ask the family what crematory they want to use. So it's very interesting how the different customs that we have, but you could always trust, you know, the, the one that your clinic uses, and you can also go pick them up. So even if you want to use that crematory that the clinic uses, you can go straight to that crematory, you know, make arrangements to pick them up when you're ready. If you don't want to wait for them to go to the, to the clinic. I've had many people that call our crematory, like, let me know as soon as they're ready. We want to come pick them up. You know, it's such an atypical topic, but again, one that most people don't often talk about, they don't bring it up with their veterinarian or the veterinary team until it actually happens. And I just want to make sure that everyone feels really well prepared and they know what options are out there. Dr. Gardner, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me and talking about this topic. I really appreciate it. Of course. And you guys can find more information about Lap of Love by going to lapoflove.com. Great resource for everyone out there. And it's all over the country. So if you're looking for in-home euthanasia, you can just simply go to their website, talk to a veterinarian when in doubt. Well, that brings me to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook or Instagram at drjustinelee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time. And again, want to thank Dr. Mary Gardner and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com.